Hello and welcome back to the Sense of Place podcast. So I've got five new episodes for your ears and the first one today is delving into the world of urban exploration with my guest Cindy Vasco. Now just in case if anyone isn't aware of the term urban exploration or urbex as it's also known, it's basically the exploration of abandoned man-made structures. So there's also a few branches of urban exploration which we touch on in the interview. These include draining, which is the exploration of drains, rooftopping, which is the climbing of high buildings, and of course, the most common and well-recognised form, which just involves exploring sort of ground-based, I suppose you'd call it, sites, which are abandoned buildings with perhaps historical interest or shock factor, like an asylum military base or old industrial unit. So back to today's guest. Cindy's a concert photographer turned urban explorer and now her photographic work heavily focuses on her urbex adventures. So in today's episode we learn how she got into urbex, what attracted her to it and what drives her to keep doing it. We also discuss the increasing fascination with mundane and abandoned places. And we get Cindy's thoughts on the argument of preservation versus decay of some of these urbex sites. She also talks about the role waste and climate change can play in urban exploration. And we just generally talk about Cindy's adventures urbexing and, you know, some of the places she's been, how they've evoked a strong sense of place and how also she just has some funny stories. She's she's so enthusiastic about this and I love it. So I really hope you enjoy today's episode and now we'll crack on with it. The first thing I kind of wanted to ask you is obviously the stereotypical demographic for urban explorers tends to be males, teens, you know, maybe in their early yes. 20s or something. But yes. <laughs> yeah. So how on earth did you get into urban exploring? Not the stereotype, are you? No, no, I'm not. But there are many in my group that are. But it, it actually, um, it arrived by accident and literally occurred in one second. I, a single word from a research project led to an, an immediate shift in the motion of my photographic endeavors. It happened in July of 2012. At this time, um, I already dedicated three years to photography, especially concert photography and pretty stuff like nature and landscapes. And in 2012, I was also the publications manager for a construction law firm. An attorney at the law firm forwarded a request for research information about a legal issue concerning a Native American casino in Glendale, Arizona. And I was trying to keep afloat of my enormous workload and decided to research this issue on a Friday evening at home. After taking a short break from several hours of research, I returned to my computer. Instead of Googling Glendale, Arizona Casino, I just entered the word Glendale and my page populated with different links as well as a strip of images about Glendale, but not the casino. The images were of an abandoned Glendale asylum in Maryland. And I had a visceral reaction to one image of the asylum. It was a uh, a long corridor, a brick and glass lined corridor uh, connecting two buildings. The glass was broken on the floor and there were these mature vines crawling through the windows with these striking beams of light coming through. And it just, as I said, sent a visceral reaction in, in me. And I 
clicked on the image and was forwarded to an abandoned photographer's website and fell into the rabbit hole until 4 a.m. I studied. Yeah, that's how it goes. Once you start, you can't stop. It was was nonstop. And and then so the next day, and I must say I never had such a strong reaction to an art form. And and I knew instantly as soon as I saw that image that I wanted to pursue this photographic uh, genre. So the next day, I researched local abandoned opportunities and discovered the strange subculture of urban exploration. I never even heard of that term. And I requested membership to a local urbex group, uh, the DC Urban Explorers. And within two weeks, my photographic vision was set in motion and hasn't waned. Um, I have the added bonus of having close friendships with several in this group. And we are a diverse group, young and old, (laughs) like-minded, risk-taking photographers. Um, And I haven't stopped this craziness since 2012. So, yes, one second can change a life. What's it like when you sort of go out and about with them? Is it? Oh, it's insane. It's 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 very high risk at times, and I could do without that high risk. But um, it's part of the it's part of the equation. <laughs> you can't avoid it. Some in my group are are more risk averse. I am um, than others, and they just want to go straight in through the front and not <laughs> take precautions. And I've had too many uh, instances of running. It's been more difficult each year. Yeah, but. Um, I've sort of I've honestly barely dipped my toe in urban exploration I've done like a little bit but honestly like a wimps version like it it was a military base that was easy enough to get into everyone kind of knew about it and also once when I went to Romania we tried to do do you know have you seen that casino I don't know if there's an abandoned casino there I, I, know, I know what you're talking about. It's amazing. Yeah, and we wanted to do it. And we wimped out. So I'm not like, I'd love to have your guts to actually go <laughs> through it, you know. I guess having the group helps that it in does. a way. Because there's, yeah. Because yeah, for me, it was just like a couple of friends. It wasn't like. Yeah, you never go alone. Yeah, yeah. So would you say is your main drive behind it because obviously I know everyone's reasons are different. Some it might be right. the thrill, like you say, photography or what what's your drivers yeah um well my immediate attraction to it was the instant attraction to the dramatic dynamic ranges of light in such settings the extreme lights and darks with striking highlights and photography is all about capturing light and abandonments present the perfect light challenge for imaging it's very difficult on many in, uh, in many instances to get a good image in such settings so it it was a challenge but um i'm also very attracted to the moodiness um, evident in these sites, the sadness, the waste, statements about our throwaway society. And then I later, shortly after that, became attracted to the artifacts left behind, as well as the history of so many sites. Why were these places abandoned? Why would people discard such personal possessions? Uh, it's it's a very curious setting. And, and I'm still immediately attracted to the dynamic ranges of light and especially love nature's grip on these structures. Mm. I love seeing so much life taking over a dead setting, trees growing from cracks and concrete floors, vines crawling through broken windows. And so many urban explorers love the risk associated with these adventures. But I could do without all of this risk nonsense. But as I said, it's part <laughs> of the whole package and unavoidable. <laughs> You've got to have all of it together. You can't yes. pick and choose. So have you been to like any asylums or anything like that? <laughs> I went to... Um, the Island of the Dolls in Mexico, which is a very bizarre setting. It's sort of urbexy, but it's also very weird. 
it's an island that where people deposit dolls mm. hanging from trees. Uh, oh my god, that sounds really creepy. Yeah, it really is. And a piece of spirit of a of a girl that died there fifty years ago. So there are thousands of dolls hanging from trees, and they're moldy and insects crawling all over them. It was just oh I, I flew god. to Mexico for that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. the difference there, like what other people yeah. would go for, and you're like, let's get yes. the moldy dolls. Yes, yeah, my my choice of uh, vacation is not on a beach it's um i did go to salton sea in california which is a very strange place too so that's my preference for for a beach setting <laughs> <laughs> yeah no I, I when i've seen people's photography of the sort of asylums and things mm-hmm. i actually think i would be very frightened to go to those there's yeah. something really haunting about them more than the other places because you know the yes. things that would have gone on yes. there and um what happened yeah it's it's very disturbing, and so are prisons. They're both very disturbing settings, and I've been in a, mm. quite a few of them, and um, it's very shocking. And those are those are people like those the best. Uh, I think of my images. Yeah, I have to say, I kind of like the ones when it's just somebody's home that's been left because there's something yes. about that. There's all you know personal belongings, yes. like the magazines, and you just think they shot up and right. left one yes, day. And How did it get like that? Yeah, I've been in several homes where the tables were still set with dishes and and silverware, and ledgers are open on desks. It's very strange, and it's also very sad that somebody would just abandon their life history um, on a whim. I don't mm. know if they were the end of the family line and they passed away and nobody there is there to settle the estate, but I've been in so many homes like that and they bother me the most. They're, they're very moody and um, haunting. Yeah. I, I think that is one of the massive appeals and draws of it, isn't it? It's just mm-hmm. that it's kind it's of shocking. Yeah. It's shocking, but amazing and beautiful all in the same thing isn't it it's just you can't really put it into words but there's something about it Mm -hmm. like I say I haven't really delved into urban exploration but I've always (laughs) just been so fascinated with it and this is I suppose this isn't me doing urban exploration but there used to be a a shed in the garden of my great grandmother's house and it was like that just left old newspaper and I used to go in and I used to Mm -hmm. be like I just I love it in here for some reason it's so like just frozen in time it's that right. isn't it the yeah. frozen in time right time capsule yeah really really strange so, but I was going to ask you why do you think there is this increasing fascination with mundane places and um you know I honestly don't find abandonments mundane or do my explorer friends or people that follow my social media that's very true actually yeah they're kind of classed as that though like mundane to the normal people exactly would call it. yeah uh yeah, we see them as um, we don't see them as ordinary. We find them extraordinary and beautiful. But on the other hand, several people said that many of my photos are like car wrecks. You just can't look away from them. You have to keep looking at them. So perhaps they don't see beauty, but they find fascination just the same. But there is an uptick with abandoned photography and exploration, and there have been several psychological studies associated with this emerging fascination, especially the dynamic ranges of light that I spoke about and how these visuals are pleasing to the eye. And um, abandonments are all about time, nature, mortality, and divestiture. And they offer an escape from excessive order or being tethered to a digital device. And for urbexers, one can see and feel things that one is unable to in an ordinary setting. 
there's an element of great adventure for some. How do I get in? Lots of strategy and planning is incorporated in the pursuit of a site. Um, people are also, it's, it's a multidimensional interest and Bruins evoke tragedy, sadness, injustice, and waste. And I think ruins put us in our place. They are memento mori, uh, which means remember you are mortal. Um, Memento mori is not meant to be morbid, but to inspire and motivate and motivate action to preserve, prevent environmental disasters and stop all of the waste. That's my view of it. But it, it means different things to everyone. Urbexers and non-urbexers. Yeah, I think because definitely from a sort of historical archaeology perspective, these mm-hmm. kinds of sites are definitely getting more recognition in a way, right. as opposed to, you know, like the fancy, lovely old houses and stuff. You know, some people right. are very much interested in the the history behind it now. And obviously there is that mm-hmm. element of some people think, let it decay, let it rot. Some people want to preserve it. How do you feel about that yourself? About uh, preserving versus letting it just go to waste. Well, yeah. I, I, I definitely want preservation, and I think abandonments are often cultural losses. Um, and I would like to see sites preserved, but but at least document it before they succumb to the wrecking ball or nature's hand. There's so much beautiful architecture that's destroyed. Uh, but funding for project preservation is uh, low on the agenda of today's cash-strapped governments. So at least uh, they should be documented for posterity. And I think urbexers do that, uh, keep them alive for, for posterity. And uh, the urbex lens is powerful for deconstructing the motivations and extravagances of societal dynamics because uh, modernity builds and destroys at the same time. And a, a forlorn industrial site is also a collapsed corporate entity. A ghost town or abandoned school or church represents a collapsed community, a collapsed social order. And my photos are collections of places that people once cared about. Life existed in these places. People worked here and maybe some died here. And to open that door into silence uh, of an abandonment is to feel the absolute emptiness of a place whose occupants have departed. And it's a surreal experience. And all of us, I think, are fascinated by the perception of a hidden story, no matter who you are. I think um, presenting images of these sites might prompt an understanding of the mounting global concerns and extremes such as climate change or even consequences of international conflict, because I have certainly photographed several sites that reveal the ravages of climate change and uh, severe societal waste. In what way? Climate change, do you mean just okay, the, I, from like storms and all that? Yeah, well, um, it, uh, the rising sea levels, I two years ago, I think it was two years ago, I photographed in a, a, an abandoned historic cemetery on, on, um, on a shoreline. And the sea levels rising and eroding, chipping away at the cemetery. And there were uh, caskets and vaults and headstones just scattered along the the beach they were just uprooted from their burial sites and it was quite shocking and um and every year it just picks away at more and and a lot of these um vaults and caskets are just pushed out into the ocean and it's very sad to see that it kind of highlights nothing lasts forever doesn't it really right exactly everything's more yeah, no, to worry. Uh, <laughs> yeah i kind of feel like in terms of these buildings whether they get preserved or not it's hard to say because there's so many and sometimes 
I feel like maybe right. just let them go and you see the beauty in that. But then some you're like they're too so, good yeah, to same. not be saved because they, you right. know, they have history. Exactly, yeah. But they're nuisances. They're, they turn into nuisances, especially in this country. I keep my location secret. I learned that lesson because the minute you identify a location, the vandals invade it and destroy it and just do it's such a yes. shame. I just think, why do you want to do that? Like, what are you getting a kick out of doing this? It's just, I have heard of that code with Urbex is you're not, mm-hmm. me- what is it? Leave nothing but footprint. Right, exactly. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. I mean, I mean, some places I do have permission to enter and, and um, those I can reveal. But I, if we, if we do uh, a site that's not open to the public, <laughs> we, we tend to keep it secret. Yeah. When you joined the group as well, were they very sort of strict in like, do not reveal or you're kicked out? Did they, was there anything? Well, yes, they, yeah. The one rule is you don't go alone. That's, uh, you don't urbex alone and that's very smart rule. And, but I, yeah, I had, I ran on my first urbex experience within five minutes I was running. Oh my (laughs) God. And I was, uh, it was, I said, my first one with the DC Urban Explorers. And if it, if it wasn't for the warmth and welcoming nature of the founder of the DC Urban Explorers, my good friend, Andrew Stratfi, he was also on that event. I doubt I'd be chatting to you now about my ventures in dirt. Uh, no one, in the, I was, I was a, a, a middle-aged woman with four very young dudes. <laughs> and, and my first time, this urbex green middle-aged woman, and uh, no one rolled their eyes when, when we went into an abandoned site and then had to run from it five minutes later. And so, so they, it's a very warm, close knit group. But then the rules are, you, you know, you don't reveal locations and um, you don't do it alone. And some are m- more risk oriented and I don't do high risk uh, sites. I don't want to push that envelope. And also because I don't want to drag people down because like I said, I can't run as fast as I used to. <laughs> but it's also- it must keep you down fit doing this as well, this running. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's also, it's, but it's also a benefit if you get caught. I mean, if you get caught, they just give you a pass. I mean, the police and the security people give you a pass because we don't fit, us old folk don't fit the profile of, 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 of a threat. <laughs> so oh, it's good to have, It's good to have an old person. <laughs> yes, it's good to have an old person. In your- <laughs> You're like, I don't know what we're doing. Like, it's fine. Yes. Yeah, well, yeah. They don't, most of the time, they don't understand why we're even doing it. They don't get it. <laughs> were you actually, on your first experience, were you running from the police then, or was it just something? It was a security, a security van that was... Case in the joint, they they I think they saw some movement and and we just decided to leave right away. And then I thought, oh my god, this is insanity. Why am I you know why am I coming to this crazy group think <laughs> scenario? But as I said, if it wasn't for the warmth and and um, welcome of of the DC Urban Explorers, I don't think I'd be chatting to you today. <laughs> I have to say, I think that really that thrill. I think I'd be a bit afraid, but at the same time, that sounds really fun as yeah. well. Like it just does. It's empowering. Yeah, yeah it's empowering. Like, when it's all over and you sort of probably go home yeah. and have a think about what you did, you must be like, that was amazing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I'm, I'm proud of yeah, myself. Exactly, like, I did it. Yeah, I've been a rule follower all my my entire life um, to the point uh, where it's it's ridiculous. And, and I know some people would be shocked at what I do now, considering that 
I loved rules. They make life easy. But now here I am breaking quite a few of them. <laughs> this, this, is, this is your one rule breaking area. Yes. Yeah, I'm obsessed with it. What do your friends think about it? Well, my my close friends are urban explorers. I became very close. And I have another set of friends who, who, who love, they love looking at it. They find it interesting. And they're always sending me little tidbits of, about places they've discovered in their travels. And But some, I think, don't understand it at all. They just don't understand why I do this. But that's all right. Yeah, it's so, it's so funny. Like I suppose because mm-hmm. I like it as well. It, I think, how could you not find exactly. that attractive to do urban exploring? Because it's everything about it. It's, it's just exciting. an appeal. Yeah. yeah. You reckon you could ever get any of them to go on an exploration with you? Or? Last year, we went, we went um, out of state to a hospital. My friend had invited her friend along who was not an urban explorer and was very risk adverse. Uh, but she did not join us in our trek into the hospital. She just stayed back and, and sketched nature. <laughs> the difference there. You guys are all like yes. thrilled, taking as yeah. she's relaxed and having a little bit. Yeah, yeah. We, we come back bloody and, you know, because we had a crawl through sticker bushes and, and you know, and she, <laughs> no, she wants no part of that. <laughs> so with your photography now, is that is that your pure focus, just abandoned buildings and Pretty much. Well, yeah, and, and events. I like to do events too. If I get jobs with event photography, that's um, I still do that. Um, I used to be a concert photographer. Those days are gone now. I enjoyed that very much. I bet. But, yeah. But um, that magazine I used to shoot for closed up, and so about the same time I discovered um, urban exploration, and it's it's my life now, and I'll keep doing it until I can't run anymore or get arrested. <laughs> I was going to say, do you go to like other, like, I know you went to Mexico, but do you go, how far would you venture for this? Really far, like countries far away? Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, I would if I had, you know, the funds. Mm. It's um, go to Europe and Pripyat and um, Chernobyl. and <laughs> But yeah, we travel every, I'm a, quite a few weekends a month. We, we travel up and down the East Coast of the United States, four or five hour drives just to go to one place. Yeah. <laughs> It's worth it though. Well, because I was myself, I was like, are you guys going to run out of places to go? But I guess there's always somewhere new that ends up abandoned. Yeah, there's a lot. There's the East Coast of the United States is quite rich with um, abandonments because it's part of the, a lot of it's part of the Rust Belt with heavy manufacturing, um, a, a thing of the past now. So there are a lot of factories and communities that suffered the consequences of heavy manufacturing leaving. So we have, we have a lot of, opportunities it's just it's just becoming more difficult in the past few years security is getting cheap (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) with phones and apps and exactly yeah they can keep they keep keeping on you and I guess also now it is uh as a hobby it's very well known now as well isn't it yeah it It is it's because and yeah and it's a nuisance I think to the security people they just don't they despise us but but we do not destroy a thing I mean that's the one thing I don't take anything. I don't stage anything. I just get in and out and that's it. I, I respect the place. Yeah. That's like we were saying earlier. That's why it's so hard to think. Why do people just trash them? Like I why? I just don't get that in my mind. What I they're know. thinking. Like, have you ever been to any places where they have been trashed? Or Oh my gosh. Yes. Um, yeah. I was up in the Catskills last year, went twice and the casinos, the old casinos were 
and resorts, the old big resorts from the 60s and 70s, they were so destroyed. It was a mess. And graffiti is everywhere. Uh, we, you know, when we find a, a facility, um, especially an industrial facility that's pristine, it's, it's, it's a, such a big gift when everything is just as it was uh, 20 years ago and vines and trees are grown through the place, but there's no graffiti and nothing broken. It's amazing. And that's hard to find those. We do find them occasionally. I know, obviously, like you keep the sites a yeah. secret, sort of, from the wider public. But would the group? Would you share with other well, urban exploration yeah, groups, or is it? With, yeah, we wouldn't? share amongst ourselves um, the urban explorers that we trust. Um, we have to. We know them. If we know them very well, we we will share. We because we give each other information. Uh, we know that they're honorable and they won't destroy anything and they won't reveal this location. But if, if anybody that reveals it, then they're, they're, they're crossed off the their blacklist. They don't get anything from us. Get <laughs> <Yes>. out. <laughs> like you've, but, you've blown your chance now. Yeah, we have a really strong community of um, information. Now that's really nice. And it seems very mm-hmm. like close knit and you trust each other. And Yes, absolutely. And they don't leave. Yeah, they stay. They don't, if somebody is in trouble, we don't leave them. Oh, yeah, that, <laughs> that's say, a thought as well, actually. Have you ever had anything like that, like someone's maybe broke oh, a leg or anything? Um, amazingly, no, because I am the klutziest person on the planet. Although I have my my fallen through, I mean, my leg has fallen through floors and I've, oh my yeah, I've broken gear. But, <laughs> but that was a fright. <laughs> yeah, but, um, and and running. I mean, I just some of the things we do the, to get into places, it's insane. Uh, but I am... We it's usually if somebody gets busted, we stay. We don't abandon them. <laughs> we take their hit for everyone. Yeah. Obviously, I I feel like nowadays there is kind of a fair few branches of urban explorers. Like you get the rooftoppers, mm-hmm. you get the drainers. Yeah. You know any of those? People yes, I do. do. Yes, I do. They're young. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I have to say, like that branch for me is. Yeah. A, a, I think that's another level, isn't it? I think that must be more for the yeah. thrill than rather than the sort of you're interested in the beauty of the decay. Yes, and- yes, I agree. And um, I, I've been on rooftops of places, but I'm not going to jump from building to building. And I, and I, and I do have an aversion to going into a drain. Oh, I know. <laughs> I, I, I'm, somebody's trying to get me to join into that, but I might. But it's got to. It, it's I've got to think about it. That doesn't seem. Like something I really want to do. That's kind of where it all started, wasn't it? Yeah. With draining. That was sort of one of the first. And it's funny how it's gone from the ground up, really, hasn't it? It's really dangerous. There was an urban explorer mm. in our area that um, drowned. Uh, there was a flash storm. So it's, it's oh sometimes God. the risk isn't worth it. Yeah, and environments send out dangerous signals too sometimes. And um, my radar is always up with that. My my, I have a friend who tends not to look at those things, but I'm the one that, that keeps scoping out the environment and say, we got to leave here. This isn't safe. You're keeping everyone in check there. I'm trying. Yeah, that's because I'm old and wise. You, need, you kind of need that though, I feel like, you know, because it, it can, that's the thing, it can be really dangerous. And I, yes. I read in terms of the rooftoppers, I read mm-hmm. an article not that long ago about with social media, a lot of people are just, they want that picture. They mm-hmm. want to test themselves as far as they can and they fall off the bloody roof you know yes I know and that's that's I I found that's becoming more prevalent uh they want to be the first to do something the first to post a photo uh first to get a selfie on a tower 
And I don't know, that doesn't mean I take my time editing my photos. I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I've seen some, um, you know, where they wear the GoPros on their head in the videos and Oh, it makes me feel nauseous mm-hmm. just looking at the videos. They're so yeah. high. Yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> and they're walking along I like know. this thin little bit out of the build uh, of the roof. And I think, how do yeah. they do it? I just have no idea. Yeah. I, I mean, I've been in dangerous spots. I mean, uh, it, some, sometimes I think back and some of the things I have mm. done, I'm glad I don't overthink it because I probably wouldn't have made it inside. Uh, but I mean, we went into a hospital two years ago, or last year, and the state had removed the staircases because they didn't want people going in. But they had this metal headboard propped up you know, against the wall, and, and I didn't realize it was a, a headboard. And I'm crawling up this thing to get to the second floor. And on the way home, I said, oh, that that's ladder was really strange it didn't seem very sturdy and my friend said that was a headboard that oh was my God. <laughs> you're right it's lucky you were just sort of in the moment yeah. and not thinking about it that you know what that's probably partly it isn't it like if you overthink yes. something then you get all yeah. frightened yeah. And you yeah, yeah yes yeah you lose your confidence you lose your your guts and you just and that happens to me quite a bit sometimes the environment just just uh scares me I just don't want to go in because I don't want to lose my gear. I don't want to, it's not being hurt. It's losing my gear. I don't want to lose my camera. What are the sort of main ways you would get into these buildings? Is it through like windows and stuff or? Yeah, we don't break in. That's why <laughs> never break in. But if there's an open door, an open window, a crack in the fence, a crawl under a fence. Yeah, we'll go in. Yeah. Yeah, because that's the other thing, isn't it? So you've got to suss out mm-hmm. some way to yeah, get in. The laws. Yeah, the laws for breaking and entering are very severe, but for trespassing, yeah, I've I've always gotten a pass. I think it's because I'm old. (laughs) Honestly, that worked out so well. You managed to get uh, the other guys off because of that, or yeah, um, my main group that I explore with are we're all middle aged. I'm the oldest, but we're all middle aged except one. There's one the the like the leader of the DC Urban Explorers. He's a very young guy, and he's always with us. So. When we got caught out of state last year, it was it was a really bad scene. We were surrounded by police cars, but there was a criminal action um, occurring in the neighborhood. Oh so we were in the wrong place at the wrong time. I got off the easiest, and and I I only had two questions asked of me, and I was the oldest, and I looked at that day because we were spending the whole weekend exploring, and it was rough. It was a hard labor. Uh, exploration weekend and this was our last stop before we went back to Virginia so I got off with just two questions and I stayed in the car I didn't have to get out of the car but my friend who who is young uh, he he got the brunt of it he really got the pounding but but they didn't they just go go away just get out of here <laughs> <I'm thinking photos. laughs> we were just taking photos they were worried and and they yeah they were uh, saw somebody with a red bag or something in the neighborhood, and, and there was a red bag. My camera bag is red in the car. So, oh no! So. Oh, talk about talk about yeah, that's on a, that. that's the wrong color to carry when you're exploring, unfortunately. <laughs> but it was, uh, but yeah, I don't. I got the least um, 
nonsense from everybody. And, and then, you know, then my friend, I, she's across the street with the uh, two other police cars and, and she's showing the policeman her, her images. I thought, Oh my goodness. And her monitor. <laughs> I thought, oh, but we, we left and we didn't do any more exploring on the way home. We just went right home. <laughs> We're like, we, we've, we've pushed our yes. luck this time. Yes. yes. <laughs> Have you got any more, you know, explorations coming up? Or? Yeah, I'm going tomorrow. I'm going. Um, oh, really? Yes. We're going, we're going exploring tomorrow. It's about a three hour trip from and, and I'm along the Chesapeake Bay area in Maryland. I honestly don't know exactly what they have, but they have um, three or four sites scheduled. So it'll be a surprise for me. <laughs> How do they, I, I know you can't really say, mm-hmm. but I was just kind of like, how do they even come find these sites? Like, how? Some other explorers and, and looking at satellite maps. A lot of satellite oh, maps. Oh, that's true, yeah. <laughs> Research. I'm a big researcher, so we find them that way. Uh, we find, we see images, and then we drill down and try to find where these are. And, and sometimes you could, when you enlarge a photo, you can see signs and street signs and oh, okay google makes it yeah, very easy it, it does it's a good and a bad thing <laughs> yeah yeah we run into explorers a lot when we're exploring other explorers from other states and it's um it's, it's a common occurrence i feel like i'd be a little scared that you might find something awful like a dead body i well <laughs> yes <laughs> uh, last year we we've been trying to get into this one building for a long time and every time we went it was uh, barricaded and closed. And finally, I was with my friend. It was just, she's another middle-aged female. And we were driving by and I said, let's check it again. And the door was wide open. So I said, oh, okay, now's our chance. <laughs> so we're walking towards it and these giant flies are buzzing us. And, and I said, oh my gosh, what's that smell? Oh. <laughs> and it was so bad. I think it was a, an animal, a dog or something, but... I, uh, we got close and said, I can't go in there. I said, I just can't go in that place. I said, I'm sorry. It's not worth it. So, yeah, I bet that smell was rank, wasn't it? It was awful. It, it And the flies were buzzing us like, 100 feet away. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, and we, I also went into, I was in an abandoned greenhouse complex, a very large greenhouse complex. And we were, and obviously somebody lived there. And there were these writings on the wall that they were terrifying <laughs> and the symbols and the writings and somebody was very angry. And I said, I don't want to be around when this person returns because um, it's very creepy. Oh, of a horror film, that sounds like, doesn't it? The yeah. symbols on the wall. Yeah. Yes. Oh my God. Yes. Yes. And yeah, a couple of times I separate it from my group uh, accidentally and nobody's around. I can't find them. And it, freaks me out a little bit sometimes, but I try to stay. We always try to stay together, but every once in a while you get so absorbed in your photography that you you lose them, especially in a big complex. Are they all photographers um, in the group? Yes. Yeah. So that's the, uh, the big, that is like such a key drive for it. Yes. It? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Some people like to go just to, to look at the places, but no, we're photographers and professional photographers. When you've sort of been doing this, have you ever had a particular place that's really evoked a strong sense of place and you like really struck oh. you or is it there are a few or no there there have uh, been many many places I grew up in um, a town connected to the steel industry and it was also a center for other heavy manufacturing it was in eastern Pennsylvania and when I explored the rust belt of western Pennsylvania it allowed me to identify with the once robustness of that region uh, so many rust belt towns are 
declarations to uh, unrelenting farewells, goodbye to a once robust economy, goodbye to a healthy standard of living, goodbye to the family home, to neighbors, to friends, to beloved church and schools. And um, I could identify with that because I've seen that happen in my hometown. And I remember always seeing in my hometown the presence of big steel. It was always evident in the night sky. Uh, The sky was always illuminate it with a ginger luminosity from the steel blast furnaces operating 24-7, and now the rusting shells of these once mighty manufacturing facilities uh, are just monuments to better times of the not-so-distant past. And another site that really moved me, uh, very made me very emotional, was visiting Ellis Island's south side abandoned hospital. Uh, I'm the great-granddaughter of a Lithuanian immigrant, and um, I was humbled walking through this facility and recollecting my grandmother, my great grandmother's experiences uh, that she spoke of when I was young. And another time in 2013, I visited uh, the abandoned high school that my parents attended. And I remember my father's wild stories about this place. And I just wished he was alive to see my photos because he would have got a kick out of this. He would have got a kick out of my new, my new passion too. Uh, So the, the history of these sites are, these sites are part of my history, directly or indirectly, and the history of these sites, and for others, they need to be preserved, and um, I'm proud to be able to document the history, and I hope to do it for a, a while longer. <laughs> you know when you say you mm-hmm. kind of want to preserve them, do you mean like back to their full original, yeah. just sort of the yeah. way they are now in a way? I I. There are some sites that are, uh, they don't have to be preserved. I, I would like to see them repurposed because we're such a wasteful That's society. That's very true, absolutely. Some of, yeah. These, yeah, some of these buildings are architectural marvels. The details, they're just beautiful. And I think they could be repurposed. Of course, the codes are different and there's lead paint and asbestos, but they're still beautiful. But some sites have been preserved, but they've kept their sense of decay. Uh, it's arrested decay. It doesn't decay any further, but they don't bring it back to its original state, such as Eastern State Penitentiary in Philadelphia, PA. It's a beautiful example of arrested decay. And other ruins are like that as well. A lot of carry blast furnace, um, United States Steel's facility in uh, Pittsburgh area. They've done the same thing. They're making it into a museum. They're preserving some of the hardware uh, that made steel. And it's it's beautiful. So I, I'd like to see more of that. And reuse of for sites, repurposing. Yeah, no, I, I, I think that as well, because to be honest, like you say, there's all these places that are just sitting sitting there and they could be used right. for something. And, I mean, there is kind of that other take, the sites, obviously, because people are interested in this decay, they want to see it and everything of doing mm-hmm. sort of – I know some places kind of do tours to it. What's your thought on that? Because I know some urban right. explorers are like, that's silly and it spoils the whole point of it. Yeah, I, I, the places that do tours, uh, like Cary Blast Furnace and uh, Ohio State Penitentiary is another one. You can often get photographer access. They let you have special access to areas and um, before hours, and you can get wonderful images without people. Uh, and I've done that. Uh, you have to know what time of year to go so you don't have a whole bunch of photographers with you. <laughs> but um, I've been to several prisons that allow that and U.S. Steel's facility too. I've, I've been able to get photographer access uh, where they it's exclusive of the general tour. And they give you 
access to areas that tourists don't go. So uh, that's definitely worth it. Yeah. But I, I do like permission to go to sites. I mean, it's, it's free. You can use your tripod. You don't have to look over your shoulder. You can take your time. I can bracket my shots, <laughs> but that's usually not the case. <laughs> How many years have you been doing this now? Has it been a while? 2012, I started Urbexing and I haven't stopped and it's been all, uh, several weekends a month, sometimes every weekend. I can see how it would be addictive though. Yeah, it is. It really is. I could do it every day, every single day I could do it. Uh, sometimes I, after an explore, I just beaten up. I'm, it's exhausting. It's really not easy to do because uh, you're crawling, you're climbing, you're crawling through bushes with stickers and running and you have to be careful where you step. So, and the camera gear is getting heavier with each year. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I, I do. I said, "Oh, I think I'm done. I think I'm done." Then the next day, "Oh, when's the next one?" Yeah, <laughs> just... once you've recovered, you're like, "I'm, I'm back. I'm ready to go again." And yeah, I had to ease back um, a couple of years ago. I was doing it every weekend, Saturday and Sunday, and it was week after week after week. And I started to get ill. I started to. After every exploit, I do feel um, a little flu-like, um, mm-hmm. breathing that nasty air. Uh, but it was getting to the point where it was all week. And so I, I had to ease back a little bit, not go so many times <laughs> in the month. Yeah, I suppose that's another thing, isn't mm-hmm. it? You don't really know what you're breathing in in those places, like asbestos and stuff. Yeah, like, it's nasty. Yeah. yeah, you should have a respirator. You should be wearing a respirator. Um, I don't I should I just taken it a few times when the mold was really bad but but you're breathing asbestos you're breathing uh, animal droppings and peeling and lead paint it's it's nasty yeah but it's beautiful <laughs> don't you have books as well I do I do I'm right I'm, I'm an author of eight books uh, three are out two are ready for pre-order and I'm doing my last three right now it's been a very strange experience I never thought I could make any money on on this stuff yeah no are you are you self-publishing or is it with no I'm not um, I'm not Font Hill Media contacted me and offered me contracts I they offered me contracts uh, initially for for one and then I was talking to them the next day about the contract and they offered me two more and then they came back and offered me contracts for five more. And, and they said, well, we'll talk about it next year. I don't know if I can do more than eight. It's getting to be. It's a lot. Yeah. It is. But it's been fun. It's It's been. Um, Are they themed books on particular? Yes. They're, they're states. Um, I, I did New York, um, Eastern Pennsylvania. I'm doing Eastern Pennsylvania next. So Western Pennsylvania, Maryland, Catskills, um, doing West Virginia. But you've done a lot. <sighs> Yeah, I, yeah, I've done. I'm on my sixth book now. I'm writing my sixth book. I have two more after. So, this. is it? Do you write a little bit about the places in it, or is it just photography? I do. The, yeah, Fawn Hill are are history publishers. They they have a love of history, so I do uh, write about the history. But I also get a little philosophical in my writings, because history can be boring if you don't make it fun. So yeah, I did. I just did Southern New Jersey, and that book was a hoot. That was hysterical. The stuff I found in Southern yeah. New Jersey was it was wacky. <laughs> so that was a fun book to write. What, what like what sort? Of- <laughs> well, we we a few months ago we explored an abandoned honeymoon hotel. Uh, oh, I was, bet you found some stuff in there. Oh didn't you? my goodness, it was so tacky and so much fun, and we also got busted at that one. Uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> you, you, I'm guessing you got let off again. Oh, yes, yeah. It was, uh, we were shooting uh, giant hearts and mirrors everywhere and just silly, stupid stuff. And we're la- and my friend was finished and she decided to go stand outside, which isn't always a good thing. You won't always be concealed, but she wanted to stand outside because she didn't want to be inside anymore. So she's waiting for us. And I heard a car, we were in the back of the complex and the rear away from the highway. And she, I heard a car coming on the side and I yelled, I said, get in here, stat. And just as she, she I, here comes a police car. <laughs> oh, no. And these two young, very young and sweet policemen came up to us, want to know why we were doing what we were doing. And they, they did just were perplexed and, and saw these middle-aged people doing this. <laughs> and and um, so they said, well, you're going to have to leave. I said, yeah, we know we're done anyway. <laughs> and, um, they, and they proceeded to tell us about other abandonments in the area and the history of the hotel. And, <laughs> Oh wow! It turned, yeah. turned out it turned out pretty well. And, and I yeah, that New Jersey also had um, these Futuro homes. They had two Futuro homes. There are only sixty what, in the what's, world. What's that? They like, look like flying saucers. They're egg shaped things. They look like something out of the Jetsons cartoon series. They're little homes, and they were portable homes back in the sixties. And um, so they have two of those. Those are weird. And they we found a collection of historic trains just by accident really historic trains that were abandoned and that was fascinating but I also have some serious stuff I also have the hospital that we visited last year that was so difficult to get to it was a fun book to write because I was able to become really human especially about the honeymoon hotel that was that was a real find (laughs) yeah honestly it's it's great how this is all just sort of Overnight, you're like, I love urban exploration. Now you're getting to write books about it. Yeah, it's amazing. I know, I know. I never believed it. It's 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 just amazing to me that people would be interested in this. Uh, And and according to the publisher, they're extremely interested. They're they have a lot of books uh, on the subject now. They're so listen. My friend is writing one too. Oh really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. Because I was going to say, I think for people who don't have the guts to get out there and do it, they can live through your experience. Yeah, exactly. And I'm pleased to do that. <laughs> Where can people find you on on the web and get your books and all of that sort of thing? My website is just cindyvasco.com. That's simple, and um, I have my books listed on under. Um, under about me and they can find them on Amazon and Barnes and Noble and uh, bookstores in the region that I'm writing about. But the easiest access is um, Amazon and just search my name, Cindy Vasco, and they'll populate. I'm guessing they are available in the UK. Yes. Yes. Because Fawn Hill is a UK publisher. I know they, I know they kept saying they, they said it hasn't, taken off like it does in the United States, uh, which is surprising to me. But I've seen, I follow s- several UK f- photographers, uh, urbex photographers, and, and I'm very jealous of everything they find because nothing is, seems to be vandalized. Everything is preserved and <laughs> I'm so jealous. Yeah, I mean, obviously you've probably heard of Bradley Garrett. He's like the big yeah. one over here and he yeah. did that massive study and he sort of went yeah. in with urbexes and yeah. I, mean, I think it is popular over here but maybe yeah I suppose maybe not as much as in the US uh it's hard to tell though because I mean obviously if I searched on my computer obviously a lot more UK stuff will come up for me and there's those YouTubers and the rooftop and sure. all of that that seems to be really mm-hmm. growing in popularity I think 
just I see them I see them a lot I like I'm not I'm not so interested in that to be honest no <laughs> maybe in my youth I would have but not not oh now. man like I, I said it just makes me feel nauseous looking at the pictures thinking like yes. god like you could literally fall to your death yes yes and you can inside a building too the yeah, floors I mean it you have to be careful because floors are rotted and um dangerous it's a dangerous um hobby or or endeavor it's it's very dangerous in many respects uh not not just the in- integrity of the structure is lacking but the people that maybe live in there and, and the, the environment it's it's a it's a mm-hmm. lot of risk so uh but i don't want to add to that by jumping off rooftops or- oh yeah literally <laughs> you know drainers as well what is yeah, dr- yeah. like what is the sort of appeal of that i, I just it's <laughs> well do you literally just go for a drain is that it yeah, and sometimes, but sometimes there are um, interesting images. The leading lines of a, of a the, the length of a drain can be interesting, but you get one shot. To me, that's just one shot. Um, and sometimes there's interesting graffiti, um, but a lot of times drains lead to you go in them to get to to buildings because oh, right. there's aid security. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, thanks for talking to me. I I love your enthusiasm for it. It's brilliant. Thank you. Thank you. So there we have it. Thank you very much for tuning into today's episode. And don't forget to check out Cindy's website to see her photos and to buy her books, if that takes your fancy. For anything else Sense of Place podcast related, please head over to the website, which is www.senseofplacepod.com. Other than that, that's all from me, and I'll speak to you again in two weeks.